Hey kids, be sure to listen all the way through to the end for my weekly movie pick and review. Thanks for listening. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. La, 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 la. What up? This is Jonathan Strayton with another Tales from the Set episode. Uh, I don't know. Look at the listing. I think it's seven or something like that because we ran the the new filmmaker show together um as we were kind of figuring out how we were going to do the podcast ron and i and you know i i knew i was going to do the podcast the tales from the set and but i wasn't sure if we were just going to focus on the one show um or do you know uh my kind of solo show so as we're going through this we're working it out and I'm actually going to probably trim these back. They've been an hour or so. Um, so I'm going to trim them back probably about a half hour just because of time. And I'm just uh, super busy. So, But I, but I like doing it. And um, I've been getting good feedback, so I appreciate it. Um, so anyway, sorry about last week. I wasn't able to... Uh, do a podcast i was out of town um and then when i came back i was i was actually really sick but um i'm better now uh that's the uh beauty of being married to a nurse who can um get you all the meds that you need um anytime i'm sick it's a shot i don't know what it is but it's like uh antibiotic with vitamins and stuff and she gives it to me and i mean like within 24 hours like i'm better it's like amazing um which is funny because i actually you know when i get my physicals and whatnot i have to you know i get my blood taken or anything you know or um I get allergy shots uh twice a week one in each arm so i i mean I'm needles don't bother me at all. Getting a shot doesn't bother me. Um, you know, I get shots all day long. You know, that's how badass I am. I get a shot straight to the heart and be all right. But Brie, being a nurse who draws a lot of blood and gives a lot of shots, I mean, I've seen her take a shot and it's like, I mean, the most painful thing in the world to her. I mean, she literally is like, you know, uh, I need something. I need a stick to bite on so I don't bite off my tongue. Uh, and, you know, just to get like her finger pricked or something. <laughs> but uh, the opposite is true when we're sick. When I'm sick, I'm, I'm out. I mean, uh, I'm like, I, I could have just the common cold and I'm like out for a week. I'm just, so sick. You know, but her, I mean, Bree, she could have like the, 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 the flu, the swine flu, the, uh, you know, everything and be like, I'm sick. I'll probably get some rest. But right now I'm going to go outside in this uh, 
below freezing weather and smoke a couple cigarettes. And then she comes in and she, oh, I guess it, I just needed to clear my throat and my sickness is gone. I don't know if it's because she's a nurse and she's around sick people, so her immune system is like, you know, uh, rock solid now. But it's just funny. She barely gets sick, and if she does, it lasts like um, just a short time where mine seems to last a week for something dumb. But but again, I can take shots and take needles all day long. She, no. She sees a needle. She sees someone sewing. She gets nervous. So, but anyway. Um, thought I would talk about... Let's see. A Tale from the Set. I think a good one would be my first film. My first, uh, I'd made a few before, but my first serious film. Um, Big Fish in Middlesex. Um, I remember I didn't have a lot of money at the time, and I took a loan out of my 401k to, uh, to produce the movie. And my mother, she had gotten divorced and got a settlement, and she gave me like $2,000, and she didn't get a lot of money. And so it meant the world and still does to me that she, you know, didn't get a lot of money, but yet gave me $2,000 to uh, rent this equipment uh, for the movie. Basically, it was the camera. Um, it was the Canon XL1S. And I had to rent this adapter um, that allowed me to attach uh, studio industry, like prime lenses to it. A very similar setup that uh, Danny Boyle used for uh, 28 Days Later. So, um, and I had actually had to go to New York to rent the equipment. I remember I got up super early in the morning, took the train up to New York, um, went to the camera shop. Uh, um, got the camera, rented the camera, tested all the gear out, jumped back on the train, headed back to uh, Virginia. And then the next day I was driving. Yeah, at the time I was living up around Winchester, Virginia. And then so I had to drive almost three hours down to Middlesex to start filming, where we filmed for like four weeks or something crazy like that. Um <clears throat> But so crazy, crazy shoot. Um, I went down there the second day. I mean, people are are, are leaving Middlesex. People are boarding their windows. I'm like, yeah, what the what the fuck's going on? And apparently, myself and crew and cast were the only ones in the world who didn't know that there was a hurricane. It was Hurricane Isabel was getting ready to come and tear some shit up. Um, but I was like, uh, the hurricane's not going to stop us, you know. So we're staying at my buddy Mike Wingfield, a.k.a. Turtles' aunts. Uh, she had like a trailer. And um, it was kind of, they had a big land, and like his, he had a couple aunts who lived on this land, and his grandparents, and so we were there and uh he basically his uh turtle was like you know what my grandfather is still here so that tells me 
that this is not a serious threat. He watches the news and everything. He knows weather. He can go outside and tell you if it's going to rain, um, you know, that type of thing. He's got a sense for it. So Turtle would say, what do you think? Should we vacate? Should we go up to the next town and get a hotel or something? His grandfather was like, no, hell no, we'll stay right here. We'll be all right. Don't worry about that. So um, I was like, all right, Turtle's grandfather, he's, he's lived here for a million years. If he says that he thinks that we'll be okay, we'll be okay, you know. A few hours pass by and um, a couple cast and crew get get nervous because it's starting to storm pretty bad and they leave and go up to the next town and get a hotel it's just me turtle and my executive producer freddie and i remember um freddie hit turtle went over to his grandparents he ran over there to see his grandfather you know the day grandfather you know you sure you, it's good to you know stay he's like hey, we're staying it's fine the storm's not gonna do nothing Despite it getting bad, I remember Freddie looking out the door. He's like, "Yeah, it doesn't look that bad." And then all of a sudden, he was like, "Oh shit!" And the sticks flew at him, and he shut the door just in time that uh, it hit the door. Um, you know, so we're like, "Yeah, all right, we'll, we'll just stay inside." You know, so we're chilling, and then Turtle looks out the window, and he sees his grandfather and grandmother packing up their truck. And then he yells out there, Dad, Granddad, where are you going? He's like, I'm getting the hell out of here. The storm is, is, is nothing to play with. It's the real deal. I was like, oh, shit. So it was just funny because he was, you know, saying that it wasn't going to be anything. And then all of a sudden, he's retreating out of there. So so we left, and it was a nightmare driving. Uh, we went up to Tappahannock and wound up getting a hotel room with um a couple of the cast members where we stayed up and just um i don't remember we didn't we were drinking or what remember we had darts for some reason and we took the mirror off in the hotel room and drew a giant like dartboard um yeah, that's right, because Turtle had darts. He played darts professionally or some shit. He went through this phase. He always does these weird phases where he was a dart player. But uh, um, I remember we were going there, and we were there for a couple days, and none of the places had power or anything. We went down to the Sheets gas station. Just we were bored out of our minds. This is before, you know, like cell phones, like smartphones where you could – you know, look up shit and be entertained for hours. I mean, so, um, yeah, God, that's hard to believe that time ever existed. And so anyway, yeah, we had nothing to do. We went up to sheets. I remember we bought a few comic books and stuff. And then, um, turtle got a couple cool Batman comics and, um, you know, we're swapping comics and stuff. And I remember I was like, well, Hey, let me read some of them. Let me read one of your comic books. Let me read your Batman comic. And I was eating like these honey roasted peanuts or whatever. And he was like, uh, yeah, you can, you, you can read my Batman comic, but you're not going to be eating, you know, your honey roasted peanuts over my Batman comic. Uh, and, and I, I'm an ex-comic book collector, okay? So, trust me, I know how to handle a comic book. I've got over 500 comics. I got them in the plastic sleeves and mint, mint condition, you know? So, I was like, you know, I told 
turtle that. And he was like, yeah, but I, you know, still, yeah. I was like, I'm not going to eat over your fucking shit. All right. Just read the fucking Batman comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fast forward to my cousin had come down. She from Oklahoma City. Her name's Linda. And she wanted to be in the film. And they, they'd come down because they had like a timeshare in Williamsburg or something. I can't remember. But um, when it looked like the storm wasn't, you know, um, going to let up, we, or no, it did, but it, it wiped all the power and water out in the area for long, for a couple of weeks. And so I was determined to just keep shooting. Um, and we literally shot during the day. And at night we'd light candles and we go we went back to the trailer and we would just rehearse the lines and I bought one of those um uh car chargers and they were uh, I think I was talking about this when Michael was on the show and I ran an extension cord from I I had a Jeep at the time and I left the Jeep running and had extension cord running into the trailer hooked up to the TV so that we could watch the footage and just, you know, watch it over and over and over and just practice our lines and then do the same thing. It was a lot of fun, you know, despite not having the water and all that shit and power. So, um, so a couple of times we, you know, you know, a couple of days without showers and shit, we, you know, we all went and my cousin let me crash at their timeshare and then a couple other friends in like Newport News that we knew um, let us crash there. So we're kind of bouncing around um, in between film and everything. And uh, I remember we got to my cousin's and then uh, Turtle called at the time he lived. We both lived up in Northern Virginia. He lived up in actually DC and he was calling his girlfriend, talking to her. And he was, you know, just chilling, reading his comics that we had bought those, you know, two weeks prior and stuff. And I remember him going, What the fuck? And I was like, What's her? He's like, Jonathan. He called me Reedy. That was my nickname. He's like, Reedy. Rady. And I was like, what's wrong? He's like, I told you not to eat those honey roasted peanuts on my comic, and you did. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? I didn't. I, I, you know, I swore up and down I didn't. But apparently I did because when he was flipping through the pages, there was a peanut. <laughs> there was a peanut right there on the page. And he's like, look at that. There's a peanut on the page. And, of course, I was like, it could have been anybody. I know that peanuts are popular. People like peanuts. But, no, it was mine. So I was like, here, I'll take the peanuts. I lifted it up. And, sure enough, it left this oil stain right under it, right on the comic. If you know anything about comics, I mean, you got to keep them in mint condition or they're not worth anything. Um, So that was always funny (laughs) because... That peanut had been in there for like two weeks, wedged in this comic. Um, so, uh, so that was funny. But um, uh, the real crazy thing about this this story was um, what I was kind of willing to go through to uh, finish the film, despite the hurricane and everything. I had a I had a great job in Northern Virginia, and I was only taking I think like three weeks vacation, and they started calling me saying, "Hey, are you coming back?" Because you know it's going on four weeks, and I was like, "I can't come back until 
this movie's done. That's how important it is to me. Because I knew if I left, I, it wouldn't. It'd be hard to get everyone back, and I, I needed to finish it. It was just that that important. Well, would I do that now? Necessarily, probably not. But I mean, this is you know your first project you're passionate about. You know, um, not to say I really wouldn't do that now. I guess. It, well, I can't compare the two because now I've got responsibilities. You know, I got a daughter, family, a mortgage, all that shit. But so, um, so my boss was calling me, and my boss, Michael Murray, um, he was real cool. He was like, uh, "I'll, I will do everything I can to hold your position as long as I can," and he really meant it, you know. And, you know, I was like, thank you. I wasn't like, ah, fuck you. I don't need that job. I'm staying to finish this movie. You know, I was like, look, I really don't want to lose my job. But you got to understand this movie was very important to me. And then, two, um, I was late on my rent at my apartment. My landlord called me and said, hey, you didn't get your rent check. And I was just like, sorry, I'll send it as soon as I can. Um, just give me a couple days. And, you know, he he was cool about it, so... I got all that pressure, and I'm still trying to make this movie. And then, at the time, I was actually on probation um, for fucking drunken night that, um, I won't go into detail, but basically, um, I got arrested, yada, yada, yada. This is back when I was, I thought I was a badass, and... You know, um, didn't obey the law. You know, I was above the law. But uh, <clears throat> it's actually kind of embarrassing thinking back about it. But I was actually on probation, and I had to. Uh, I had to see. Um, his name was Jesse Decker. He was a LAPD, and he had um, retired, so now he was doing just probation work. And I had to see him every. Wednesday, but we were allowed to take vacation time during the year, you know, for two weeks, he knew, you know, and that's what I did. And so he was calling me and he was like, Hey, you were supposed to check in last Wednesday and you haven't, what's going on? And I said, I'm Jesse, I'm trying to finish this movie. There's no way I can go home. I'm in, I'm doing this movie. I'm not doing any, you know, cause they, drug tested me and stuff and I never and as a matter of fact the what I got in trouble for had nothing to do with drugs but still they you know they, they were screaming for drugs so um I told Jesse like oh, I'm sorry and he just like you need to be in here next Wednesday I, I don't care because you can't miss an appointment that's automatic you know jail the sentence I don't think uh, the sentence that um, I would have got, I would have had to wind up serving or some shit like that. So, so I've got, you know, late on my rent, about to lose my job and I'm, there's a good chance I'm going to go to jail and I'm trying to finish this movie. And, um, looking back, I'm glad I did that because, you know, I think when you're so passionate about something and, you know, even those, I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about now because I'm in the mind frame of my mind frame is completely different I'm actually a completely different person like to think I you know would have done those things you know so it's kind of even hard to to say how I would handle it now knowing my life is completely different but 
it just kind of goes to show you that I was doing, I was willing to do anything I could to get this movie, whatever it takes. That's something my father and I used to always say, you know, whatever it takes. Um, and a lot of filmmakers or creative people are that way. They'll do whatever it takes, you know, as long as you're not harming anybody, you know, I think that's cool, you know, to do whatever it takes. Success is, this doesn't come easy, you know, um, I mean, to some, I guess it does, uh, in rare cases, but, uh, but, um, I learned a lot as far as <clears throat> basically setting my standards young, early in my filmmaking career, that I was willing to do anything and I was going to have high standards and I wasn't, and I was going to, you know, take the risks, um, uh, that I had to, to, to get what I wanted. And that, you know, and still to that day, you know, it's just very important. I'm glad I did that. And I would recommend other filmmakers, creative people doing that, setting their standards high early on and taking the risks, uh, especially the bigger, bigger risk early on when you're younger. Um, because I think it only make you want to do that much more or prepare that much more or, um, just, just striving for the best, um, version of what you want it to be you can be and um uh, you know and and I, it helped that's how i am now with my films uh, now i'm not you know fuck i'm not gonna pay my mortgage and i'm not gonna i'm not in trouble or anything with the law so and all that so uh, but for example I'm still in pre-production on my film Night of Something Strange. It's been three years. My other films, you know, took an average of a year and a half, maybe two years. This is now going on three years, just because I'm I want it to be the best it can. I've I've reshot tons of stuff. Like I'm not happy with it, so I want to make it the best I can. Because when I watch it, especially years from now, because it takes me years to actually appreciate my shit, because I always hate it the first couple of years after I'm done with it. But I just want to, you know, look and say, I, I, I tried my best. I did the best I could. So um not sure I'm meant to have a moral with that story, but I guess the moral would be just always just strive for the best, you know, make make the best. No excuses. Don't take the the easy route, you know, so. Um, so that's my tales from the set. And, um, I wanted to briefly touch on the Star Wars trailer that came out over, I think it was on Black Friday it came out. Um, there's a lot of people like hating on it and shit, which is expected, but I thought it looked awesome. I, I watched it several times afterwards. I mean, I'm, I probably watched it like eight times in a row. It just looks super cool. I loved it. It was, it was, it was, you know, simple, um, it just was cool. I know there's a lot of questions. Some people didn't like the lightsaber. It looked like a like a sword. Um, or and some were questioning the the look of things, like the Millennium Falcon, Falcon, and the um, the stormtroopers, and thinking that being 30 years later would advance. Um, I'm sure there's a good reason for that. Um, it wasn't like, you know, after the fall uh, of like the empire and the rebels, it wasn't like, you know, it takes 
time to rebuild shit. So uh, I'm sure there's good reasoning behind it. So people were just going in detail why they thought it sucked and reasonings and that it wasn't logical. So I was like, all right, whatever. But I thought it was awesome. I, I was very pleased with it, and I think it's going to be an awesome movie, and I can't wait. And I always thought J.J. Abrams would be perfect for it because I love Star Trek. Um, I never was really too much into the sh- the show. As a little kid, I was, but I didn't quite understand it. And when I saw Star Trek, I mean, I thought it was amazing. You, you know, and my wife, she doesn't know anything about Star Trek, and she when she watched the movie, she thought it was good. It was entertaining. Um, so... Uh, and Super 8 I thought was good too and all his films I liked uh, especially Lost I was huge on Lost and <clears throat> but um, the the trailer that uh, that I was disappointed in was the Terminator Genesis trailer only because I'm a huge Terminator fan or James Cameron fan I loved Arnold I mean he was it he was he got a million action heroes now but he was the action hero like in the in the 80s and I loved all his movies and I loved Terminator 2 was one of my all-time favorite films for like the longest time I loved that movie I saw it like I think like a bazillion times in the theaters it just the movie was just amazing still amazing it's classic um and then Terminator 3 of course sucked and then um Terminator Salvation was Terminator Salvation was uh, it was it was okay it was better than it was better than um, it was better than three and then um, uh, what the fuck was that oh yeah so that was that was all those two and so this I don't know if it's a reboot or not I saw the trailer and I was excited but. What I didn't like about it was um, the actor who plays Kyle Reese. I'm not a big fan of his. I just don't think he has a lot of charisma. I don't know what it is about him. I just he was okay in Jack Reacher, but I wasn't crazy about him in um, the Die Hard as John McClane's son. I just didn't think he had a lot of presence. Um, so I'm unsure about him as Kyle Reese. One, uh, two. I thought it looked cool up until the, you know, it was all right. I was like, oh, yeah, this looks all right. But the end when Arnold's in a helicopter and he's got like gray hair and it's like long and shit. And he's like, I'll be back. And he jumps out and he's like, you know, doing a free fall into a helicopter. I just thought that was kind of gay and over the top. I mean, because the real Terminator wouldn't have done that. I mean, Terminator 2, he goes into the the molten lava and like slow he takes like 20 minutes just to go in it on a chain he just rides it down you know what i mean i mean okay he's using himself as a weapon to destroy the helicopter i get that but um it just didn't seem it didn't seem like terminator style or arnold schwarzenegger you know him to do something i don't know i just would have expected him to i don't know you know shoot out the the pilot or I mean, we don't know the circumstances, but it just it looked kind of fake and looked kind of cheesy. You know, I, I liked the Terminator movies where they used more practical effects and not a whole bunch of crazy CGI, and it just kind of looked overdone. So, just that kind of you know you know uh, threw me off. But um, I don't know. We'll see. So there's some things I'm unsure about, but I was a little disappointed. So we'll see. Hopefully, it'll be good. But um, that's it. Until next time, peace.
Okay, okay, that, that was a shitty conclusion or wrap up of the, the the show. I realized I left some things unanswered. Um, I have to apologize. My wife came down in a towel, and that was it. And she was shaking her booty, so I had to take a break. Um, okay, so <clears throat> finish the movie. La la la. la. The uh, moral and all that shit, blah, blah, blah. But what I didn't answer was, I okay, so I finished the movie, had my job back, and they were happy to see me, and everything worked out. So didn't lose the job. Didn't lose my place. Paid the rent, and everything worked out. He was happy. Windlord was pretty cool. Um, so I went to my, um, uh, met with my probation officer. And, uh, you know, before I could even explain, he said, let me tell you something. I could have you thrown in jail for missing your appointment. I don't give a shit if you're Robert Redford. If you're supposed to be here, you're supposed to be here. And I said, I know. I'm sorry. I have no excuse, but that's just how important this film was to me. And he just looked at me, and then he looked away. You know, silence for a few minutes and looked back at me. He's like, well, you better as hell thank me in your Oscar speech that I didn't throw your ass in jail. Now get out of here and I'll see you next Wednesday. So, the happy ending to uh, the story. I got my job, got my apartment, and didn't go to jail. He was pretty cool. So... Now that is the end. With that, I'm out. Peace. My movie review, Tusk, which I've been waiting a long time to see just so busy I didn't get a chance to see it in theaters and I wanted to so bad um, unfortunately uh, we couldn't get a babysitter you know to go to go see it and so obviously missed it well it's, it was just released um, on iTunes so I bought it and it was awesome um, the only thing is I wish I hadn't heard is, is for, for those of you who don't know it's a Kevin Smith film which I like Kevin Smith I'm a fan of Kevin Smith and I like his podcast and it's based off a podcast they completely came up with the film within a podcast on the fly him and his producer Scott Mosher um, I almost wish I hadn't heard the podcast only because I knew, you know, it, the film unfolded like they didn't, like they told it in the podcast. Like, so I kind of knew, uh, you know, everything that was going to kind of happen. So I think I would have been like, for example, my wife was watching it and she, she loves it because she knew nothing about the podcast. So I knew what the film was about going in had i not i think it would have been more of a surprise or, or shock but i thought it was really good i thought justin long was great and all the actors were phenomenal in it. um justin long was great um probably the you know uh 
most uh, i mean michael parks was awesome of course but johnny depp as the uh, quebec detective was amazing he's unrecognizable in it he's got like prosthetics on but he doesn't look i mean like johnny depp with a much makeup he just looks like a different person and his accent is good. I mean, I can tell because I, I you know, I, I love Johnny Depp, especially his early stuff. Um, and I can see his mannerisms and stuff. So I can see it in him. I can tell his voice. But my wife still is like, that's Johnny Depp. He is amazing and a great, great performance. I, I love seeing him do, you know, something like this, kind of like, a, you know, like in a thriller or silly movie instead of being all acting drunk or high playing Jack Sparrow or something like that but so it was really good to see him in, in a role like this and he was really good really funny awesome role really really stood out so Tusk was good it's a thriller basically about a podcaster actually who goes to investigate a story this crazy man winds up drugging him and turning him into a walrus it's crazy definitely recommend checking it out good film and uh, i don't think it was as good as red state but had i not heard the podcaster known the premise i probably would have liked this better and um but i like his cinematographer he used in this one usually he uses uh dave klein uh who's good but this guy this was cool this was a it was shot well i thought and edited well which he edits so if you haven't seen it Check it out, Tusk. Peace.